Welcome to Forging the Norsatch, a podcast for entrepreneurs, startups, small business owners, and the supporters of the Northern Utah entrepreneurial ecosystem, presenting an interesting topic of the day and an enlightening interview with a new company or organization that supports business in the Norsatch, presented by the Economic Development Office of Weber State University. Welcome to Forging the Norsatch. This is Guy Latender. Episode 18, April 2021. My co-host today, James Taylor of Weber State University's Technology Transfer Office. And joining James and I today for our organization and business of this episode is the founder and owner of Out of Bounds Creative, Jody Schmidt, which uh, Out of Bounds Creative is a full service marketing and design agency. That's a great conversation and and a great company. However, before we hear from Jody, we'll learn about how to engage your business organization with the standard examiner. And joining us for that conversation today is Tim Vandenack. Before the podcast, let's talk briefly about an upcoming event, the Ogden Weber Chamber of Commerce Athena Award. Uh, that will be on May 18th at 1130 in the morning for lunch at the Timber Mine Restaurant. And this year's award winner is Danielle Croyle. Danielle is an excellent leader with a huge, long track record of public service. She's been wonderful for our community. And I've actually had the honor of fly fishing with her a number of times. She's an excellent fly fisher. Maybe she'll talk about that during her luncheon. So go to the Ogden Weber Chamber of Commerce page to see more uh, on their events page about how to get registered for that event. Now, let's get with Tim Maninak and the Standard Examiner. James, today we're going to meet with Tim Vandernack of the Standard Examiner to talk about how small businesses can get some presence in the news. I've been a big fan of Tim for a long, long time. I always look forward to his pieces in, in Standard Examiner, and I've done a couple of interviews with him. I think he's a fantastic reporter, and he's going to have some great insight. Yeah, um, he, he helps our community for sure. Um, so since April of 2017, Tim has been a reporter for the Standard Examiner. He covers a lot of topics for the for the newspaper, growth and development, local politics, businesses, people, and more. So Tim Mannernack's kind of a superstar, and he's been helpful for both of us here at Weber State. Thanks, Tim, for joining our show today. Yeah, glad to be here. Yep, we, we've talked about the Wildcat Fund quite a bit, so nice to chat with you guys and talk about the newspaper. So Tim, you know, something that, that, that I'm really curious about, what type of, especially as we talk about small businesses or startup companies, what types of, of stories resonate with your readers? Food. People love food. They like places to eat. So it, it seems like whenever we write about a new uh, restaurant and some sort of new eatery, just it gets heavy, heavy traffic, a lot of interest. Stories, I think, about people, you know, about the people behind the businesses. I think in general, people like people's stories, what makes them tick, what gets them involved in this and that. So those two resonate with people. And I guess uh, just a couple I've I've done recently, there was La Crepe, uh, a place downtown Ogden, serves up crepes, sweet, savory crepes, uh, got a lot of traffic. But just in general, food, people love that. Well, you know, that, that makes sense because you're always looking for the next restaurant. You're always looking for the next place to eat. So that makes that makes a lot of sense that that kind of a business would be attractive. But it also sounds like they like, what about like real estate and, and those kind of things? Oh, yeah. You know, what, uh, what's going to happen to that empty lot? What's going in? Yeah. People, people are really interested when construction starts and, uh, you know, a new strip mall is coming in, a new apartment complex, mixed use development. 
people really want to know what's coming in. So, so me and our, the rest of our staff here, we pay pretty close attention to those sorts of things here in Ogden. You know, the, the, the former Twinkie factory downtown, a lot of development going on there, a lot of stuff going on at the old Rite Aid building, 24th and Jefferson, written also about the city of Roy. They got big plans to try to spur development along 1900 West there and get new businesses in. That, that generated a lot of interest as well. So definitely people want to know what is gonna, what's coming in what's going to be filling those empty spaces. Yeah, that makes sense. I, so, you know, if I was, you know, one of the things I, I was thinking about is you mentioned that the standard examiner, you guys are pretty small staff. You guys are, are um, very busy. So if I'm a small business, how do I make it easy for a journalist, for someone like yourself to, for me to get a story in the newspaper? What do I, what, what would be kind of some of the bullet points that I should be thinking about? Yeah, you know, we always we always like to get um, ideas from the public. Said so that's very helpful. Otherwise, it's a matter of us just kind of among ourselves noticing what's going on and talking about it. But businesses reach out, and that's very helpful. If you can give kind of a little description, if you've launched a new business, have some sort of special initiative, describe it, include your contact information. Uh, our our main email address is cityed at standard.net, that's C-I-T-Y-E-D, at standard.net. That's kind of a catch-all email address for press releases and everything. You can also email to me, tvandenak at standard.net, T-V-A-N-D-E-N-A-C-K at standard.net. And yeah, just include a little description of what it is you're doing, contact information. Um, as you mentioned, we're a pretty small staff, so sometimes it takes us a time to, to go through all the, the emails. If it's not something urgent, urgent, we'll keep it on the back burner. So, but, but reach out and uh, you know reach out again periodically as well. Yeah, Tim, that was the one thing I was thinking about too. Is sometimes it pays to be persistent, but I think when we talked earlier, you mentioned that if if you could be persistent, but you'd also tell readers of hey, this is not a story that we're going to do either. So you'll you'll be kind of forthright with them, like yeah. It's not our cup of tea, so to speak. Yeah, I, I, I try to be if someone, you know, sometimes we get contacted by national organizations, you know, or something happening in Salt Lake, which is out of our coverage area. So yeah, I'll say, yeah, that's a little bit out of our coverage area. I don't think we'll be able to cover it. So yeah, I, I can try to give a heads up or, or I'll say, I am interested, but I'm just bogged down right now. It'd give me a couple of weeks and I may be able to get back to it, that sort of thing. No. Now, I like the advice about the email to you or to your email address and, and covering the topics in your email that they want to have in the news, as well as what's compelling about their story. Make it easy for you to be intrigued yourself uh, with the facts, you know, there certainly you'll follow up with the contributor. But yeah, I think people need to know you see, you know, tens, if not hundreds of emails a day, you kind of kind of grab your attention as well. So Mm -hmm. That's great. So again, the email address is cityed, C-I-T-Y-E-D, cityed at standard.net. And Tim Vandernack's email is T-V-A-N-D-E-N-A-C-K at standard.net. So give these guys an email and these folks and they'll, they'll reach back to you. We, we've had success with the Wildcat Microphone with Tim and, and following our own advice here. So thanks, Tim, for joining our show today. Thank you. Nice to talk to you guys. Good luck. James, hey, let's meet with Jody Schmidt at Out of Bounds Creative. 
Hey, James, we get to meet with Jody Schmidt today of Out of Bounds Creative. Yeah, this is going to be a great interview. She's awesome. Yeah. You know, Jody's the founder and owner of Out of Bounds Creative. I've known her for a number of years now, and she's incredibly experienced in marketing, advertising, and design. And she's amazing at authentically connecting brands to the people who share and love their products. And authentic is a big word and, and authentic for Jody. Jody, welcome to the show. Hey, excited to be here. Yeah. Hey, you, your office is downtown, so you got to have a favorite answer to this question. Where's your favorite taco? Oh, hands down, Wimpy and Fritz. There's there's nothing that compares. They 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 have a special pork one that I have to get at least once a week. So I think they're uh, they're on our calendar to be on our show. I've I've heard about them. I haven't had them yet, but I hope to to see them soon. Well, you should have asked them to bring some samples. <laughs> That's big praise. I'm gonna have to definitely take you up on that. If you have to go at least once a week to get a pork taco. That's that's saying something. So I'm gonna have to I'm gonna have to go check them out. Yeah, you will. You can get their variety pack to start off with, so you can narrow it down. Oh, even better, even better. <laughs> All right. So Jody, I, you know, I, it sounds like you, you grew up in Ogden. What was your experience in growing up here in Ogden? What was it like? Uh, yeah, I am um, born and raised in Ogden. Um, my mother was too. You know, she went to Ogden High and was student body secretary, and I followed in her footsteps, and I had to be student body secretary because of my mother. Um, yeah, I had a great experience growing up in Ogden, at, in Ogden in general. It was just a lot of family and community and outdoors, and we were always running around the neighborhood. You know, nobody cared if you were out till 10 o'clock as long as you were with a big gang of kids. <laughs> We had a lot of fun. That's that's awesome. That's kind of like the idyllic childhood experience in growing up. And, and I think you can get a lot of that, especially up here in northern Utah, right? Especially oh, yeah. awesome. That's awesome. Yeah, I grew up by um, Mount Ogden Park, which is also, I was born at the old St. Ben's, which is now a retirement center. But um, I remember my grandfather pulling us on a sled along that road in front of Mount Ogden Park tied to the car. So he would go down the roads with the sled tied to the car. It was, you can't do that now, but it was super fun growing up. Well, you can, I think you can still do that, but it's probably looked frowned upon. And that's just, you know, that's, that's awesome. You know, you sound like you had a great grandpa, A. Yeah. Yeah. And it sounds like you had a great experience at Ogden High. And it sounds, from what we understand, is we're talking to a state champion, a state tennis champion. All right. Yes, my claim to fame. I took ten, a state tennis champion in 4A when Ogden High was 4A. So, yeah. That's yeah. amazing. So what was more amazing to me uh, when I heard that, and then you mentioned you got a full ride scholarship to Utah State University. And my first thought was you went there on a tennis scholarship, which, you know, on the surface, at least to me, makes sense. But that's not how what your full ride was for at Utah State. No, I had the Presidential Leadership Scholarship at Utah State, which, um, which meant that I had to be an active leader at Utah State to keep my scholarship. But again, I had a great time at Utah State too, and I think it forced me to be involved up there. Yeah, so it sounds like that's not when you went to Utah State, and just so you know, I'm also Utah State um, alum, undergrad, so hey. I have memories of Logan. Go Aggies. Yeah, and I have a true Aggie, and I spent way too much time I'm trying to graduate, so I spent a lot of time in Logan. But it sounds like you originally went to Utah State to become a vet. 
I did. Yep. I wanted to be a vet because I absolutely loved um, my dogs and, and my mom was a rodeo queen in, in Ogden. And so we, I was around horses and things like that. But then one day, part of the, the vet program there, you have to go work at the, U, the USU pig farm. And it was pretty gross. It made me dry heave. And I realized, hey, you just don't get to work on the cute animals. You, get a, you have to work with all the disgusting roll around in the muck animals. So yeah, so that changed my mind. Yeah, I think that's understandable. So what kind of drew you from, so, you know, you realize you don't want to be a vet, you don't want to deal with uh, pigs, and I think that's understandable. So what drew you to kind of where you ended up at? So my mom was an art teacher in Clearfield, and so I grew up doing her art assignments and art projects, and then um, I was always doing, you know, posters for school. I made, if you watch Three O'Clock High, which was filmed at Ogden High, I did all the banners in there. So every time you see it, Go Tigers or any type of illustration or whatever, I got paid 50 bucks to do all those, <laughs> those banners. But wow. I, I ended up being Sterling Scholar in Art. So I always had a passion for art, but I didn't, my mom you know, she was like, well, if you're going to go into art, you got to be an art teacher because you'll never make any money, you know, doing anything else. And so I had that in the back of my mind that I wasn't ever going to make any money if I did art and I didn't want to be a teacher. And so the whole time I'm trying different classes with, you know, being a vet. And then I decide maybe broadcast journalism. I'm taking art classes the whole time. And about three years in, I decided, you know what, I really like this. And they had a new program in graphic design and I started doing really well in that. So that became my major rather quickly. And it was something that I was good at and passionate about. And it seemed easy. That's awesome that you're able to overlap your real passion and kind of that from your mom. And I also like kind of the, the challenge your mom gave you was you're never going to make money in art. That's, that's probably the one that flipped the switch for you too. At least it would for my kids I tell them they can't do something, but so you graduate graphic design advertising from Weber state and you had a little bit of time at pinnacle marketing. How, how did that go? That was great. It was a, it was a good first entry-level job. I had worked with some great people, which I'm still friends with. They did a lot of stuff for the Ogden community and um, were very involved, which kind of got me um, more involved in, in kind of the, the goings-on in Ogden. You know, I, I helped with um, Christmas Village and um, I, you know, later on I did one of the horses that it's on 25th Street. I painted um, the Hooster, which is in front of Roosters in the summer. So I really started to get to have a love of even a deeper understanding of, you know, when you grow up in Ogden, you have a lot of fun because it's you're outdoors and you're with your friends. And then when you get a little older and you are around people that um, are involved in the actual goings on in the community, I started, you know, I, I started to love that side of Ogden as well. So that great experience, and you, you must have met Joe Packham, what a great mentor she's been to a lot of folks in our, in our town, in our village, our Christmas village, right? Absolutely. Yeah. I so the, Packham around. <laughs> yeah, a lot of people do. She's wonderful. So then you went, you went to work at the Brown, at Browning, the, the Browning Firearms Company. Yep. How Browning, did that work? Browning was up in um, Mountain Green, Utah. I, they owned Winchester. Well, they still do. Um, so I went to work in the advertising department up at Browning as a graphic designer. Um, after about three years, I actually became the art director 
and I was, I think I was the youngest art director they had. And it wasn't just because I was that good. It was, you know, series of circumstances, but I took it and ran with it and um, had a great team. There was about a 15, 16 person department up there. Browning was really um, ahead of their time as far as um, the hunting and shooting type industry and how they handled their advertising. They you know, were one of the first to get a website. They, you know, they did some, not your traditional ad campaigns, which was, you know, the guy holding his trophy and things like that. We were doing things like eat more fast food and show us your bookmark. And so it, it really put us in the forefront of, of who in the advertising side, who to follow. And people really looked up to what we were doing at Browning. So it sounds like Browning was this really innovative company and it seems like it, it had an impact, but what, I mean, what was the impact that Browning had on you and, and, and on your, your career? Well, first off, anybody who owns a Browning or a Winchester, they're very passionate about it. You know, they, they love being outdoors. They love what it is that that company, those, both those companies represent. And I think that instilled in me that it's not just about you know, advertising and, hey, buy this gun. It's about, hey, we understand your passion. We feel it too. And so speaking to them on that level, not just, hey, it's got, you know, this, this, and this feature, but what are the benefits? What makes you a Browning owner? You know, what makes you so special that you can own a Browning? So I think that instilled the sense that you can really be passionate about what you're selling, what you're doing, and speak to authentically about it too. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. Because I know when we talked a little earlier, you talked about authenticity. And again, this, this seems like this being authentic with your clients, with your customers, with yourselves and having and allowing an avenue for the clients to do the same with you is, is a really important thing. Maybe you could talk a little more about the authenticity and why that's so important. Yeah, I think it's important not only as the owner of a company, but as as a advertising agency to really understand the end user. Why do they want to use your product? Is it just because it'll save them time or do they really believe in what that product is doing? And so I think that, that you really need to get in the heads of your consumer and, and why they're buying your product. And it helps too, that if you're passionate about it, um, like I, I kind of talked about, um, you know, if you want to sell coffee boxes, great, but you better like coffee, you know, <laughs> and maybe, you know, and if you don't, then maybe you need to find something else that you want to, you know, sell because, because we are a very intuitive species and we know when someone's not talking to us authentically. And, you know, and I think that's what happened in the seventies is that advertising got a bad rep because it was just put anything out there to try and sell your product. And I think we've reined that back in and we really try, at least in my advertising world, we really try to talk about what really makes this product special and why you should get behind it. I mean, it's interesting because you talk a lot about, you talk about being authentic, you talk about being passionate, or at least having some passion for the product you're trying to do or for your customers. And, and kind of your next step in your career, it feels like if you don't have this passion, it's going to be tough. So you leave Browning and you go and you make this big leap into starting your own, your own agency um, out of bounds. Maybe talk a little bit about that and, and 
how that works. Yeah, so 20 years ago this month, April is when we started Out of Bounds. I left with a couple different um, partners and we, um, the catalyst of all of this is that we had seen an ad for Ford trucks and it was for a fly fisherman. And he had set up his camp on the biggest rocky edge of the river you'd ever imagine that no one in their right mind would ever set a tent on. And he was standing there fly fishing in these huge rapids, which no fish is ever gonna be in. <laughs> and we just thought, you know, there's so many other things that we are passionate about besides um, hunting and shooting. But, you know, let's take what we do, how we speak to our consumers and give it to a broader base. And so, you know, anybody that was a fly fisherman or camped would look at that photo and say that they're full of crap. Ford has no idea what hunting or shooting or fishing or anything, you know. So we looked at that and that we can, we can do that level of authenticity that's needed. And so that's how Out of Bounds got started. You know, I don't think we took a paycheck for the first 10 months. It's a little scary, <laughs> but I think a lot of entrepreneurs know that feeling. Yeah, so starting a business is hard. Yeah, you guys, I, I knew one of your partners really well during that time when we were getting Goal Foundation off the ground um, and, and the work that you guys did, you know, just to grow your business and to be community partners and, and knowing what you maybe were going through now, not knowing that then, and what a gift that you gave our community. Yeah, Thank it, you it, for that. Yeah, it was, it actually, you know, turned out to be pretty serendipitous that, you know, we started Out of Bounds in 2001, and that's also around the time the Goal Foundation was setting up their group of volunteers for the Olympics, which was in 2002, and we became very involved with them, helped with a website and, and a logo and all that kind of stuff, and really ourselves became active volunteers in that whole process, and we got to know Mayor Godfrey, we got to know Mike Caldwell, um, and really got behind their plan for what Ogden should be as well. And it fit into our plan and what we wanted Out of Bounds to be as well, you know, and uh, specializing in, in outdoor recreation, um, which is what we were passionate about. So things are growing, going well for you. You're scaling. It's a hard, you know, when your business goes from five people to 10 people, it says, oh, that's only five more people, but that's doubling the size of your business. How do you, how do you grow your business and then live through the big projects and then not big projects phase of, of business? Well, it, it's, it's not easy. I think COVID has taught us some big lessons about scalability. And I think that I probably won't go back to how we had done business in the past, which is, you know, employ 12 people and keep them, try and keep them busy when times are tough and things like that. I think that how we're going to function is yes, we have our key base of people that will always be there, but then we'll just, we have a network right now of, you know, when we're busy, they come on when we're not busy, they find something else. And I think that that's just how life is going to be at least for the next little bit while the country's trying to recover from this pandemic. And, you know, I think, you know, our business went down 87% in the month of July last year. And I think it's just because everybody didn't know what was going to happen. They didn't know 
are, are you know, are consumers going to keep buying or they, you know, it turns out they did. <laughs> or, you know, now there's a huge demand for anything outdoors. But, uh, you know, I think in the initial stage, they were scared. And I think all of us were. So I think that the lesson that I'm walking away with is scalability. Yeah, I think that's it's interesting to, to hear your story about that. And, 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 and it sounds like you were not only scalability, but you're, how you've adapted to the times and being adaptable and being able to, to and it sounds like I, I, my guess is most entrepreneurs, most small businesses that can make that adaption are successful. And if you can't, then you probably struggle. So kind of along those lines, where do you see, you know, now that you've learned some pretty interesting lessons with COVID, where do you see yourself five years from now? What does your business look like? Well, I hope that we're celebrating our 25th anniversary yeah. <laughs> in April. And uh, I, I think that how we operate is changing due to the fact of social media and a lot of video and things like that. Um, again, I, I can't hit scalability enough because it's a big lesson that I, need, I had to learn uh, yeah. during COVID. But I think that we've got to be more connected with our community and our end users too because of social media and because people are, that's how they're connecting through COVID. I think everyone felt that they needed to, you know, even if they had to stay away from someone, they, ha- they still wanted to feel that connection. And so that social media grew by leaps and bounds. And that's how companies stayed on top of things. I mean, we learned in the great depression that the, the, the companies that keep their name out there are the ones that survived. And so it's the same thing with COVID and things. The companies that are going on social media and keeping their name out there and talking authentically to their consumers are the ones that have been thriving during all of this. And so I think that that's something that, you know, we have to focus on too as, as at Out of Bounds. And that's kind of the mantra for our, our city, notoriously authentic, right? Mm-hmm. That's what we want. So you're an entrepreneur, you've grown a business, you've had some tough times, you've had some great times. Uh, there are listeners or small business owners and entrepreneurs. What's what's some advice you might give these folks? So my first piece of advice is that I am a big Simon Sinek fan. And he has a book called Start With Why. And if you don't have time to read, you can watch the 18-minute TED Talk. But it all of us know as, as an entrepreneur what we're doing and how we're doing it. But not a lot of us know why we're doing it. And I think that's really important to nail down why we are doing this to, so that we can reach our end consumer so that they understand what we're doing. People don't buy what you do. They buy why you do it. So that's my first piece of advice. I think my second piece of advice is that trust your gut. There's a lot of things that come up that you feel uncomfortable about, but if you are authentic and, and trust your gut, you'll usually make the right decision and, and things like don't hold on to people too long. You know, you know, when they aren't working out, cut the cords, start over. It's super hard to onboard someone and it takes a long time. And I think people are scared of letting them go, but we know when they aren't working, we need to cut the cords on that. And then know your own strengths. I'm a big finder of strength of the book. I'm a big fan of the book strength finders and know your strengths. So you can hire people around you where you're weak. That's awesome. HR is a difficult situation and it's so important and we need more, more thoughtfulness on the hiring side and, and on the termination or ending side of the equation mm-hmm. there. Well, all you listeners out there, we're going to put on our, on our webpage, the, the Ted talk 
for tell, start with why that Jody mentioned and and uh, also a link to her company Out of Bounds Creative. Thank you, Jody, for joining our show today. Yeah, it was fun, you guys. Thank you for having me. When you get the tacos, let me know. I'll come down. Oh, that sounds fantastic. So James, thank you. We also thank Tim Vandernack of the Standard Examiner on our topic of the day. Also Cameron Jackson, Andrea Baldazar and Studio 76 for producing our show. Thank you. Thank you so much for listening to the latest presentation of Forging the Norsatch. Please look for all future installments bi-weekly on Tuesdays on your preferred podcast provider.